Hey, this is Freddie from the Vaccines, and you're listening to PS Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, Mike Birbiglia tells us what his new theater show is all about. At this point, kind of what the meaning is, just how meaningful jokes are for me. I find them to be cathartic and fun and make me feel connected to people, but then there's also the, the flip side of that. Which... We'll hear more from Mike in just a few minutes. We're going to discuss the Affordable Care Act and the government shutdown in the dumb bit. Going to review the Pet Shop Boys concert in Chicago last weekend. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. As if rising mortgage rates aren't scary enough, analysts have identified a lurking threat to housing, vampire properties. These vampire properties are bank-owned foreclosed homes in which prior owners continue to live as defined by RealtyTrack, an online foreclosure marketplace. They are fairly easy to show, however, as potential buyers are usually asleep during the day. During a debate over the decision by some members of Congress to accept paychecks during the government shutdown while other workers are furloughed, Indiana Republican Representative Todd Rokita prefaced a response to CNN's Carol Costello by praising her beauty. Uh, he actually said this. Carol, you're beautiful, but you have to be honest as well. He added later, boy, I'd sure like to give her a transvaginal ultrasound. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Corbett was on WHP-TV in Harrisburg when an anchor asked about a statement his lawyers made in a recent court filing comparing the marriage of gay couples to the marriage of children because neither can legally wed in the state. He said, quote, it was an inappropriate analogy, you know, Corbett said. I think a much better analogy would have been brother and sister, don't you? Yeah, great save, Governor. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention what party uh, the governor is in, but I'm sure I don't have to tell you. The Affordable Care Act went into effect this past Tuesday as millions of Americans tried to sign up for health care through government exchanges. Many had problems as servers were overwhelmed, causing delays. In a speech in the White House Rose Garden on Tuesday, President Obama said to expect some glitches at first. He noted that when Apple recently brought out the iPhone 5 and experienced glitches, no one said they should stop selling iPhones. Of course, the government wasn't trying to make everybody buy an iPhone. You put a laugh track behind that? That's a Newsbusters joke right there, baby. Now that the U.S. has edged past Russia as the world's largest oil and gas producer, the drumbeat to export some... In fact, I can hear it now. The drumbeat to export some of that oil bounty is expected to get louder as U.S. production continues to grow. People may also want to ask, if we're the number one producer of oil and gas, why is President Obama keeping gas prices so high? Remember that story from a couple of weeks ago when Alicia Keys and her husband Swizz Beats accidentally went into the wrong Hampton house and made themselves at home in the kitchen? The Girl on Fire singer finally explained the hilarious incident to OMG insider host Kevin Frazier. It could have happened to anyone, she said. Dozens of people wander into the wrong mansion every year. Rob Kardashian is his own man. In a recent candid interview with the Wall Street Journal, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe's little brother, 26, admit he's not that interested in keeping up with the Kardashians, and also asked why the Wall Street Journal is interviewing him. Anyway, he says he'd rather focus on his luxury sock line, Arthur George, than appear on the reality show that made his family famous. A lot of people say your family doesn't do anything, the Wall Street Journal's Lee Hawkins tells Kardashian. I'm going to give you an opportunity to explain what do you do, what is your job? And to which the, uh, the young Kardashian replied, literally my job is to make socks, that's how I make my money. Oh yeah, and my dad uh, got OJ acquitted, it's just a minor detail. 
For their 26th anniversary show, the Crazy Girls at the Riviera wanted to donate a portion of ticket sales to the Susan G. Komen for the Cure, an organization that focuses on fighting breast cancer. But the foundation declined their offer. The top of the show dancers say they've had dancers on the show who have experienced breast cancer, so it's very personal to them. It doesn't fall in line with who we are as an organization, though, said the Susan G. Komen Foundation. That's kind of like Oxfam turning down a donation from the Cheesecake Factory. And that's been Fake News with me. The big story in the United States this week, of course, is the shutdown of the federal government and how that relates to the Affordable Care Act that was just implemented on Tuesday, uh, the Affordable Care Act, of course, otherwise known as Obamacare. Now, what has happened, for folks not familiar, maybe you're outside of the United States or maybe you haven't been following that closely, it's uh, very simple. Uh, the Affordable Care Act was passed into law. It was signed by the president. We have a system of checks and balances uh, in this country, uh, and then the Supreme Court looked it over, said it was constitutional. So it's the law. But there are Republicans in the House of Representatives that still don't like that answer, and their solution to undoing the law is to completely shut down the government and to to not approve a budget that will fund the federal government, and therefore if they could, you know, shut down the whole government, I guess they figure they can take Obamacare with it, and that'll be the end of it. Now, of course, you have uh, the, the others, the congressional Republicans trying to look reasonable in this and saying nonsense like this. Now, the president says, uh, I'm not going to negotiate. That is Speaker of the House John Boehner. And yes, that is an accurate statement, although what the president has actually said is that he's not going to negotiate over ending Obamacare, a.k.a. the Affordable Care Act, as a uh, as a contingency for funding the federal government. Now, the, I think the Republicans are playing this really well, though, because there's like, you know, 438 members of Congress. Uh, most of them are Republicans because they have the majority. And there's 30 crackpots that just will not let this go and are sucking the other ones down with them. And if there's 438 of them, well, whatever the majority is, uh, running around saying, he's not going to negotiate. And there's only one president saying, well, that this is why I'm not going to negotiate. You know, the odds are in their favor. And uh, actually, the president hasn't really said he won't negotiate so much as he said this. I'm happy to negotiate with you on anything. I don't think any one party has a monopoly on wisdom. In other words, he'll negotiate on any part of the budget, but he won't negotiate on undoing his signature piece of legislation, which has been signed into law, signed, sealed, delivered, it's ours, okay? It's, it's a done deal. The, with the, the glitches, you got to go back and fix those, but it's the law, and it's way better than what we had before. So that that's that's just the facts. Okay, now, as, as far as this whole thing that I think people are confused on is, you know, people are probably, I've seen polls, they, they should negotiate. No, no, he shouldn't negotiate because it's the law. I mean, like he said, negotiate about other parts of the budget, about ways to fix the affordable Care Act, but not about, you know, you can't not fund the government until a law goes away. Because uh, I don't know if, if you grew up in the United States, you'll probably remember this in, in the 70s or 80s or it was revived in the 90s, but maybe you folks around the world might not know this. But we uh, had a, a very nice, simple little series of cartoons, one of which taught us how a bill becomes a law. And a lot of shows have used this clip, including The Daily Show, but here's a little blast of it. 
I'm just a bill, yes, I'm only a bill, and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, so basically the song just goes on to explain that uh, someone suggests a bill, uh, usually in the House of Representatives, it passes the House, it goes to the Senate, the Senate passes it, it goes to the President, and he signs it. If he doesn't sign it, it's a veto, and it goes back to Congress, and it like unlikely does not become a law. Very simple, very succinct, and uh, the Republicans in Congress and the people that support them in this don't seem to understand that that's how things work. In fact, this is how the song ends. He signed your bill, now you're a law. Oh, yes! And that's where it should end. Of course, it can go on to the Supreme Court, which the ACA did, and the Supreme Court found it constitutional, so now it's a law. Oh, yeah! Of course, uh, Republicans in Congress and uh, their supporters don't believe this. They don't like that answer, as I said, and uh, I think maybe I can explain it uh, with this extended, brand-new remix of I'm Just a Bill. What if the Congress changes its mind and decides it does not like the law? Well, then they can just refuse to fund the government and then shut the whole government down until the law goes away. Oh, no! Oh, yeah! Mike Birbiglia is a popular stand-up comedian that you may have seen not only on television, but also on NPR's This American Life, as well as The Moth, both highly recommended, by the way. He sells out theaters regularly across the country. He's putting together a new show for the winter of 2014. Here now is our interview with Mike Birbiglia. Okay, joining us on PF Tape Recorder, boy, it's another big one here. Welcome, Mike Berbiglia. Mike, how's it going? I'm good, PF. I'm feeling good. I'm Great. I uh, haven't spoken in, in a couple of years. I think the last time we saw you was, uh, I mean, gosh, it was before Sleepwalk With Me came out, but uh, we saw you do um, kind of the beginnings of My Girlfriend's Boyfriend. Uh, it's true, Go yeah. I was just looking at my calendar the other day, and I was from, my, from back then, and I think it was 2000. 2011, I think, right before my girlfriend's boyfriend was off Broadway, I brought it to go bananas to uh, to work out the beats of it. Yeah, and uh, so that's um uh, that's gone really well, and now I guess you're coming to uh, just doing a couple of club shows in uh, Cincinnati, Nashville, and uh, just finished up in Denver, just to kind of work out the new the new hour. Yeah, yeah, those are my club dates for the fall. I'm uh, the three of my favorite clubs in the country. It's uh, Denver Comedy Works, Cincinnati, Go Bananas, and, uh, and Nashville Zanies. And then I go on a theater tour with the new show, which is, I think this might be breaking news, it's uh, <laughs> a tour is called Thank God for Jokes, which is not, it's not yet announced yet, but it's uh, January, yeah, I'm going to go to probably about 70 or 100 cities with this new show. Holy cow. Called Thank God for Jokes. All right, and what's this show about? This show is about... Uh, how it's, it's going to sound cerebral, but I, I <laughs> it, it really it's just a bunch of jokes. Uh, okay, it's a bunch of jokes and all new jokes, all new stories, and um, what the ultimately the at this point kind of what the meaning is for me is just how meaningful jokes are for me that they're like you know that I for for me it's like I find them to be cathartic and and uh, and fun and they make me feel connected to people. But then there's also the, the flip side of that, which is 
they make you feel completely alienated from people and uh, and really very awkward with people and uh, and that's kind of what the whole that's what the whole show is about. It's a whole series of kind of stories about me telling jokes in my real life and how that didn't go well. Oh, okay. Which uh, uh, the gist of it is like you know the MVP award story that I tell. Yeah, on yeah. The- a live album. It's right. actually a lot of stories in that vein. Okay, and like um, what I should have said was nothing when you're bringing the mattress into the... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celebrity Dog Story. Yeah, so a, lot of, a lot of stories like that. I don't want to... But, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of that. And it's really... I mean, it's hardcore uh, jokes. Like, it's got a lot of, a lot, a lot of jokes, and uh, it's fun. It's a really fun show. I've been working it out for about a year. And I'm taking it on the road to theaters in the winter. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all like like a lot of fun because I remember when you came here uh, last time and then did the club date. Uh, you did the the big chunk of my uh, girlfriend's boyfriend, and also the the uh, thing about the car wreck out there in Los Angeles. Yes, right. The two yeah. big chunk. But before that, we got some nice little nuggets. I know this one always sticks with me, probably because you talked about one of my favorite songs, um, uh, "Forever Young," and you'd mentioned that I can't remember. Is it Jay Z or Kanye? I get them always mixed up. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's Jay-Z. Jay-Z, yeah. yeah. He, he pushed play and started yeah. talking over it, which I, I don't know. So funny. That joke, I'm glad you reminded me of that joke because it's it never has found a home in a show, uh, but maybe in this show. I love that joke. It's oh, yeah. That joke basically that, like, there's that song Forever Young by Jay-Z, and it's it's um, it's just basically he took the song that was <laughs> by Alphaville, <laughs> Forever Young, and then he pressed play, and then, and then he just sang along like "Forever Young, Forever Young." Now it's my song, you know. And I'm like, that's not a song. That's karaoke. You released karaoke as an album. Well, I think what's also great about that is that for people of uh, of my generation, it's it's cool to have an, an Alphaville reference, I think, in there too. Apart yeah. from being just you know a funny joke, so there's that little extra oomph to it, I guess. You're right, yeah. But uh, yeah, I gotta get that, I gotta get that back in the lineup. You know, oh, that okay. happens a lot with um, with shows. Is you you have you keep working them out on stage, and you have all these jokes. And at a certain point, it's not necessarily the jokes that are the best jokes that end up making it into the show. It's like the jokes that end up kind of telling the larger story. Yeah, that end up being in the show. And uh, incidentally, I don't know if you realize this, but. Um, my girlfriend's boyfriend we filmed as a special and it's on Netflix right now so people can can see yes, it now yes yes Netflixable very exciting yeah um, so people can if they have Netflix they can watch it and then if they if they don't have Netflix they can just borrow someone's password and then <laughs> they don't have Netflix there you go yeah. and uh, and Netflix knows that's happening too and they're not really uh, cracking down on it but um, uh, yeah I would say that that single, singularly is probably my favorite story still out of the whole Mike Birbiglia canon um, as far as the long form bits go and uh, the, the uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend oh cool thanks because it's just I just I guess just growing up kind of a, a nerdy guy myself is kind of resonates with that's that's just the kind of thing that would happen you know, to me and, and and similar things I think did but uh, and yeah. another nice story I think the second best would be when your parents computer got infected with a virus that's right that's, yeah uh, aptly titled track porno for parents <laughs> yeah exactly nice. if people want to listen to it and watch it on youtube we put up like an animation of it oh it cool like an oh, animated right. version of it it's well, pretty cool we'll definitely link to that search for porno for parents and 
you're not going to like some of the search results when you put in <laughs> porno. Uh, but so, but you got to get past that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of, kind of drill down, and you'll and you'll find your way. Um, so the, with the, um, I know uh, my girlfriend's boyfriend is being turned into a film as well. Do I understand correctly? I'm adapting that right now into a film, and uh, I'm actually trying to like. It's. I don't even know. By the end of the writing process, I honestly don't even know if it'll say based on the show My Girlfriend's Boyfriend because I'm trying to have it be kind of its own, it, it, kind of its own thing, its own story. And yeah. um, you know, I feel like one thing that happened with Sleepwalk with me, the movie, is that like there was a lot of people who loved it, and then there was a lot of people who, not a lot of people, but there were a few people who were like, yeah, like I know this show already, and I want like a new movie, you know, different thing, and so. I'm pretty aware of that, like, and uh, and so I, I'm, 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 I'm telling a romantic story um, about kind of uh, the frustrations of love and relationships. And, yeah, exactly. And issues with marriage as a as an idea, and um, but it's really it's actually much more fleshed out. It's much more all of the characters, all the various characters are, are more fully realized, and there's there's more characters and. It's um, it takes place in the world of like a, a radio show universe and as opposed to stand up comedy. And so it's um, yeah, it's, it's, and it's got a different name. So by when all is said and done, it, it'll, it will be a movie. I just don't know what it'll what what it'll be called. Well, yeah, like I said, the idea seems uh, very transferable to, you know, to a lot of people's lives, whereas Sleepwalk With Me was kind of, you know, unique to you because not a lot of people have that disorder and to that degree, whereas probably a lot of people have experienced at least some part of the girlfriend's boyfriend uh, scenario. Yeah, it's amazing how many people come up to me and and say essentially i've had the exact same thing happen to me (laughs) about literally about the story where i'd say i'm in high school and i'm invited to meet my girlfriend's parents and then i go there and then her (laughs) other boyfriend is there and then i meet his parents and it's 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 a strange thing meeting your girlfriend's boyfriend's parents for the first time part of you is angry part of you still wants to make a good impression you know like (laughs) Story and people will go. That exact thing happened to me. I'm like the exact thing of that. Like that is. I thought that that was. There's no way that could have happened to two people. <laughs> well, whenever the, those things happen to me, I always have a little, just a little personal uh, phrase in my head. Is like it, it couldn't have happened any other way. That's a great way to think about it. It's, yeah. it's another good phrase when I'm developing these shows with uh, the guy who directed the one the one person show. My girlfriend's boyfriend, Seth Barish, is um is the phrase, uh, we're only as sick as our secrets. Ah, I like that. It's kind of a nice way to look at cathartic storytelling. So with, with the new show, was it a way of kind of like being able to collect some of the, the, the funnier jokes you really haven't found a home for and being able to you know, build a story around those out of fidelity to the material? Or was it just, you know, this was just the next step after, you know, doing those other stories? It was, it's funny because I, it started off, as a, a variety of things. One thing it started off as is a lot of people who, who are fans of mine from way back, which is the first album I released was I think 2006 with two drink Mike, yeah. um, which was seven, I guess seven years ago. Um, were in some ways like that, that was their favorite album and it's all jokes. Like it's just, yeah. All- jokes it's just a ton of it's got cracker please and it's got the e story and she loved e and she hated water and it's like 
you know, it's got little stories, but it's really just like joke, 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 joke. And, you know, what I should have said was nothing. What I did say was you'd be surprised. And it's just got all these like really carefully comedy club honed jokes. And so for a long time, as I was doing these one person shows, I was like, you know, I'd really like to make um, a follow up album to Two Drink Mike and call it Five Drink Mike. And, uh, and, and because in the joke of two drink, Mike, I say, I'm not great, great at drinking because I become another person Two drink. Mike loves dancing and knows a <laughs> magic trick. Zero drink. Mike enjoys biographies and has serious opinions about wildlife. <laughs> I drink. Mike enjoys dancing with wildlife. <laughs> and I was always like, maybe there should be a five drink Mike album. And, uh, in some ways that's what this is. It's like this, this show is kind of like this hybrid of like two drink, Mike and, and my girlfriend's boyfriend, where it's like, it's got a larger story and a, and a purpose and a meaning, but also it's just got a ton, a ton of jokes. Um, it, it seems, yeah, you remind me now that, um, you know, when you, you just started, when we first started following you, uh, it was, you know, jokey jokes, as you said, but um, at a certain point it became, I guess you discovered that uh, you had these things you could flesh out and make into whole stories. And when did you kind of make that discovery and when did you kind of start thinking, hey, maybe this is the direction because it's, it's worked out really well for you. Part of it is like there's this great radio show and live show in New York called The Moth. Which yes, is, which recommended. Is yeah, highly recommended. And uh, and then, of course, I started doing some stuff on This American Life, the radio show with Ira Glass. And and then part of it is like I was doing at, at UCB Theater in New York, I would do this show called Ask Cat, which is a Sunday night show. And I would Every few months, I would tell stories as uh, motivation for the improv, and you know, it's like, you know, Amy Poehler improvising, and you know, Zach Woods, and and all the and uh, Chris Gethard, all these really interesting people doing that, and I would tell personal stories just improvised, and and then what I discovered over time was between the Moth and UCB and and This American Life is I was like, oh, I really like this idea of telling. Stories that that are funny, but then also having those stories make up kind of a mosaic of a larger story. And there was something really satisfying about it. There was something where I, I just I felt at a certain point when I was doing these shows that what when people left it was like they had experienced a full meal as opposed to just like eating chicken wings, serving them chicken wings. You know what I mean? And it's like I'm I love chicken wings, but like. <laughs> I really love a big meal. Oh, yeah. So how did you get involved with uh, Ira and This American Life? Did they see your stuff and say, hey, this would fit really well with our show and what we do, which it does, or uh, did you kind of approach them and say, I have this, I have an idea for you? I, um, I approached them with a recording I had done at the Moth of the Sleepwalking story. Ah, okay. But this is a really good fit. You know, it's a really wild story, and it's... Uh, you know, it's it's strange, and, but true, and you know, it's it just fits a lot with what they do. And so, I asked Catherine Burns, who's artistic director of The Moth, to if she would send it to This American Life, and and eventually it made it over there. And and then they uh, they asked me if I'd put it on the air. It was kind of in the bullpen at This American Life for probably six or eight months. And so, I, for that period of time, I was like, oh, is it going to end up on the show? And that's the thing that's kind of interesting about this American life is like, there's a lot of, they always have a ton of stuff in the bullpen. They have a ton of stories that they're kind of simultaneously reporting on and collecting. And you know, they have great stories. Like I've sat in on meetings 
that they've had before just as a fly on the wall. And like they have stories that are like awesome, interesting stories that don't even make it on air. You're like, oh, yeah. That's on air like there there could be a whole this american life annex show <laughs> stuff that didn't make it um yeah i'm gonna send a link to uh to joe bags uh, I, I hope i'll share with you it's uh, an episode of this podcast where we do an homage to this american life it's me doing the whole show doing a hideous ira glass impression which i think <laughs> is passable quite honestly and uh, dave thomas from second city uh helped out so um that was a lot of fun and uh, he he played along and was nice about it. And uh, yeah, I'll send that to you, and and uh, maybe you'll enjoy. It. I sent it to them, and I never heard back. So either they didn't enjoy it, or they just thought it was rubbish. But um, I doubt that they just have a their office is funny. There's just such a a a, lo, a tall pile, an almost cartoonish pile <laughs> of submitted, you know. Yeah. Uh, That's, well. And the other thing too, I know Ira has mentioned before that they just you know like you said they they'll work on a single story for like six months. Uh, it, they did a story last week on Tylenol, and yeah, they worked on that story for I think six months. I yeah. mean, like, like forever. Yeah, and then the This American Life guys doing their thing, and they, you know, that takes them three, four months to get one of those together. And uh, yeah, it's people don't realize until you start trying to put something together, even on a smaller scale. Then you think, oh wow, imagine putting this together on a much larger scale. It'd be crazy. I know it's incredible. Um, so. Uh, with this, with the show coming out, um, so you'll be starting tours in uh, starting theaters in January. So you'll come back, presumably, of course, to Cincinnati and to Denver and Nashville with the uh, with the full show. Um, I'll probably yeah, I'll probably return to Denver, Denver, Denver and Nashville, probably in a theater. Maybe not in Denver, but maybe like Boulder. That's a lot of times what I'll do is I'll I'll I won't return with the same show, but I'll go to like somewhere an hour away so that the okay, people, you know, so that people can have the option you know i'll go to raleigh and then the next time i'll go to durham and that that way there's some sense of like i'm not returning to the exact same place with the exact same show <laughs> so are you are there any like some more sort of recent experiences from your life since uh like since your career kind of started to uh, move forward that you've put in, or a lot of these uh recollections from you know the uh pre uh um comedy mike probiglia pretty Pretty recent, actually. I'm trying to okay. think. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything like, you know, like one of them is a story about. I'm not going to give it away, but like I hosted the Gotham Awards and in Gotham Independent Film Awards last year, and had kind of an awkward run in there. Uh, I uh, I'm trying to think. Like I, I, yeah, they're just like you know stories about. I'm, I, you know, since since my girlfriend's boyfriend, I'm married, and so I have a lot of stories about being married and. And so I, 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 it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's all pretty much new. Like there's only one story that is actually one of my favorite stories, but it's from when I was like at 22 years old. And in a way it doesn't fit because it's like almost like a flashback in the show. <laughs> like it's like, well, we're talking about all this stuff in the present or in the last two or three years. And then like you go back to like me getting arrested when I was 22. Like what does that have to do with anything? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm in the clubs right now. I'm trying, I'm kind of put, I'm throwing it all on stage and figuring out how to piece it together. And well, I guess I'd imagine between uh, Denver, Nashville, and Cincinnati, you can get a pretty diverse uh, reaction. Is there any kind of like tie-breaking process? Like if something kills in Denver and does okay in Nashville and doesn't do very well in Cincinnati, is there a kind of a process where you think, well, hmm, now why is that? Yeah, I think about that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like these shows... I always tell people when I'm in comedy clubs, they should try to come 
see me before I go to theaters in, in a way, be, not, not to just say that the theater shows aren't great, but like that the club shows are like, you're never going to see the show like that again, because it's always like every time I do clubs, it's like, it's different on like, I'm doing Thursday through Sunday at go bananas. It's different Sunday than it is Thursday. So, yeah. so you're really seeing a show that will never be seen again. Cool. All right. Well, um, Gosh, we're looking forward to this, and it's always a huge treat when you're at Go Bananas because it's nice to see you in a in a small room uh, like that. Well, okay. compared to a theater, that is, of course. And um, let me see, have you done the Nashville shows yet? I'm trying to think when this will. Next month. Next. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So people still have time to check that if they're out in Nashville. All right. Cool. And then um, the print version of this will be in City Beat uh, next week as a feature, and then the podcast will drop Sunday. And then um, and I'm sure you're gonna do real well and and pack the house as always. Awesome. Okay, yeah. super. All right, man. Okay, well, uh, we'll see you in Cincinnati next week then. Take care. Uh, thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks again to Mike Birbiglia for being on the show. You can catch Mike in Cincinnati at Go Bananas October 10th through 13th on the Working It Out tour. And he will also be in Nashville at Zany's November 21st and 24th. And then in January, uh, he will start his big theater tour. Uh, those dates have not been posted yet. Just go to burbigs.com for all things Mike Burbiglia. Okay, I'm going to skip the credits for this week because I wanted to discuss uh, the Pet Shop Boys. We saw them in Chicago uh, last weekend, which would have been the 28th, I believe, of uh, September. And uh, an interesting show, to say the least. I guess when they toured here in 2009, we did not have a chance to see them. And that was a greatest hit show which would have been awesome to see. Uh, this time they showed up with kind of, I would, I guess, an odd collection of songs. Even though it was the Electric Tour, which is the name of the new album, uh, they only played three songs from Electric. They played a lot of B-sides. They played uh, a song they had written for the group Eighth Wonder back in the 80s, and they released it on their introspective album, a song called I'm Not Scared. But uh, And while those songs all uh, got a polite response from everybody, it was the hits everybody, I think, was really after. And, uh, and of course, Weston Girls, Suburbia, Opportunities, those all did really well. And uh, even though Weston Girls was the biggest hit, it was their only number one in America, uh, they got top ten with Opportunities and It's a Sin. It's a Sin uh, was the, brought down the house, and uh, you could tell he uh, Neil really sold it. Now, as far as the uh, staging of the show, it's just Neil and Chris. Uh, there are a lot of, I guess, I don't know if they do it backing tracks on computer. Is probably how they're doing it these days. And then Chris Lowe just plays the main melody lines on the keyboard, and, and Neil sings. And a lot of people might think, well, that's kind of cheating. There's some that's some kind of shenanigans. But you know what you're getting into with the Pet Shop Boys. It's just Neil and Chris. It's Neil and Chris now, and however they can present the tunes, it would look weird if they were to bring along extra musicians. And for some groups that works, but I think for the Pet Shop Boys, I think you'd actually rather see them, uh, you know, using the backing tracks and playing what they can live. They uh, had some kind of interesting costume changes. They came out at the beginning uh, dressed in what can only be described as, you know those big round brushes at the car wash? They looked like that, as if there was some sort of mishap with the limo on the way to the gig, and they'd gotten thrown out of the limo and these things wrapped around them. Looked pretty bizarre. Um, Changed into some suits halfway through. Uh, did an orange jumpsuit situation toward the end, and they had these uh, kind of crazy dancers, uh, these these two folks that uh, would wear these different odd-looking masks with horns on them. Uh, kind of distracting, uh, kind of weird, but, you know, that's 
what you get from the Pet Shop Boys if you know anything about them. Uh, nice video screen in the back, had a lot of visuals on it to, to support uh, the songs, and en enough differentiation, you know, so that you know the songs didn't all have the same presentation to them. So, uh, great show. The new album is Electric. It is recommended. In fact, um, oddly. The new single from Electric was released uh, at the beginning of September. It's a song called Love is a Bourgeois Construct, and but they did not do it on the Electric Tour, which is really weird. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you with Pet Shop Boys, Love is a Bourgeois Construct. Uh, so long, and thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.